raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Do you need this on your playlist too, Fitty? Uh, I got you. I feel like I'm just gonna start doing it like as we go. So I, I think have it's to probably sit there and remember what what he wants and what he does. Yeah, and that's you, gonna be the first track I put in there. Is that is that something you want in there, Fitty? I I think so because I like the way it starts. Well, the only reason I ask is because you gave me a sagebrush. Oh God! Before we hopped on the mic, I was also sitting back down, and it takes a lot of work out of me. It was a bad, oh God. Yeah. It was painful. I but like, I still, I still like the beat, Wes. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you rather, <laughs> would you rather build the playlist during the, the bye between the Super Bowl or while you're drowning out your sorrows after another Super Bowl defeat? Which one is it? Man, it's just, you know, like I said, I just take it all and I just store it away because that clock rings down. And the 49ers are the victors. You'll be going foul line. You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Well, I mean, Wes Wes did come at you a little bit today, but not really. Like, just came in smiling. Well, hold on. Tell me where the lie is. He came in smiling. I thought for 0.2 seconds, okay, that's a little bit of a, oh, I know why you're smiling. Yeah, so did I. Now I I got it. (laughs) And then Wes sits down and says, you guys hear that buzzing sound? You hear a buzz or whatever? And then Fitty says. I said, what's buzzing? Yeah, what's buzzing? Fitty says, you know, and immediately, if you spend enough time with Fitty, you do know what's about to go down. And he's about to go on some long rant filled with a bunch of you knows and likes, and he's going to try to get you where it hurts. And he spent a long time on trying to make sure that you understood Wake Forest is it inferior. Did. And it just bounced off me like Teflon. <laughs> it did. And I told him, you know, I don't have to worry about that type of stuff. I don't <laughs> I just, come from a championship pedigree program, so those insults don't hurt me. So while I sit and watch these two, I don't even want to say go at it. That doesn't necessarily paint an accurate picture. But when I hear these two talk, this is what so often happens when you have the college trash talk back and forth. Fiddy will go on this long rant. You know, Wake Forest just isn't even playing the same game as right. Carolina. <laughs> you, Demon Deacons fans, I would be so embarrassed to even have that in my bio. The whole time that Fiddy is just long cadence that is so, you know, many pauses. This is Wes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then when Fiddy ends, he goes... Yeah, uh uh-huh, okay. Well, the thing is, boom, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, that's how it always goes, and I'm just sitting there. No matter how much you insult me, you got stung last night. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I did say, I did say, did you see any wrecks on the way into the You did, that was nice. He didn't have nothing for you. He just had all the smoke for me, man. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you were scrambling or maybe even rambling this morning. Yeah. You know, no wrecks, and I wasn't rambling. No. <laughs> I was. Rambling, man. Yeah, you were. All right. Maybe we can talk a little more about North Carolina struggling last night to get the win. They lose to GT 74-73, but this is a football segment. Got to speak to Ron Rivera and Greg Olson yesterday. Time now for the Live Wire with Fitty. Wes, you, you know it's it's all love. Yes, of course. You know. 
<laughs> like, um, I don't mean anything by it. <laughs> oh, where are you getting at? I was just, for, you know, doing the you know, you like. Oh, the, yeah. okay. All right. I got you. I but got you're you. right. Yesterday, great guest, star-studded show, Ron Rivera, Greg Olson joins And we'll start with, River, with Riverboat Ron. Um, he offered his opinion on what team Carolina should copy, what model they should copy to build around their quarterback in Bryce Young. Well, you know, I would take a long look at what New Orleans did, you know, with, with, with Drew Brees. You know, you build up that front. You, you get a massive center and guard combination. Those three big guys have to be stout at the point. They can't allow any push or penetration. And then make sure we got good athletic tackles to, to, to wash those outside rushers. And then give him an opportunity to, to, to do the things that he does best, you know, uh, whether it's, it's play action pass, whether it's, it's, it's drop back pass, or it's, it's from the shotgun. These are the things that they, they need to do with a guy who has that kind of ability. He, he reads very well. He's a, he's a great timing passer. You know, he delivers a good catchable ball. I mean, these are all positive things that, again, coming in, do these things for the quarterback. Uh, Walker, first things first, are you a New Orleans guy or a New Orleans guy? No, good question. I'm New Orleans. I don't I don't put the extra stank on and go New Orleans. I think I say both. I'll say them both. It just depends. I say New Orleans sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I say New Orleans. If if I want to put an extra, a little bit more Cajun seasoning, I'll go New Orleans, and I'll try to go with that. But I always okay. sound like a, a jerk when I say that. So I usually <laughs> just go with, I just go New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans is what I roll with. When, when you take into stock what, what the former head coach of the Panthers said, it's obvious that they didn't do that year one. How hard is it going to be to do it year two when you have limited draft capital, not a first-round pick, and you've only got $30 million in cap space that you got to reinvest on guys on the defensive side of the football? It's not the exact opposite, but I hear Ron Rivera discuss what kind of offensive line he wants for a smaller quarterback like Bryce Young. And I look at this offensive line in Carolina, and there are some opposites. So if you're looking at the interior, Brady Christensen is supposed to be the starting left guard. But Brady Christensen wasn't one of the more athletic guards in the draft. He was crazy athletic, right? Like when he was coming out of BYU, the whole thing with Matt Rule, we made the joke about how Matt Rule didn't want to put Brady Christensen at left tackle because his arm length wasn't long enough. And so that's why they move him to the guard spot, despite Christensen being one of the more athletic tackles in the combine. So it's the exact opposite of what Ron Rivera is saying. You get a strong, stout, mean, nasty interior that doesn't allow any push. And then you put the athletic tackles on the outside so they can wash out any of those edge defenders. Wes, when I go exact opposite, doesn't it feel like Brady is the athletic guy and Iki Iquanu is the powerful guy? Like, doesn't it feel like you can maybe switch it? And that would fit the description of Ron Rivera more so than what we have in place right now. Yeah, that, at Wake Forest, that's how we kind of built our offensive line. That's why they allowed me to play tackle, and they had bigger guys on our interiors. And so that's kind of how they built it on that same premise. And so for a guy like Bryce Young, yeah, obviously for him, vision is everything because he's not a 6'5", 6'6", guy back there. So you want to make sure that interior is buttoned up so that guys aren't in his face clouding his vision because it's already going to be slightly limited because of the height. And 
So, you know, Ron is a defensive guy all day. He played in the trenches. He played in that front seven. So he knows how important that is, especially from an offensive uh, standpoint, being that, you know, he played on one of the greatest defenses of all time. And he knew, like, hey, if we can get up the middle on the quarterback, that kind of ruins everything. And so uh, I think his philosophy and what they need to do makes sense to me. There are going to be some guys out there in free agency that the Panthers can go and get. Uh, to your comment about Ike Aquino, I'm not sure, you know, how much he He'd enjoy that if you did that, but right. he may have to do it for the betterment uh, of the team. Go ahead, Fiddy. What else you got? All right. So I mean, we mentioned Ron Rivera joined the show. Walker, you also went over to Stake 48 and joined Greg Olson ahead of his Hartis Yard charity event, but didn't eat steak and didn't bring any steak back. Did you have to wait in line, too? I saw everybody interviewed him yesterday. Well, they did, and I did not. I went up there early in the morning, so that's how I had enough time and got there at 925. And you didn't think when you were leaving to get a steak for the, the show? I don't even think they were cooking them. <laughs> Walker would have spent some skrilla getting us some steak. I was going to say. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I've, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I really doubt I'm working here if I'm just hooking everybody up with steak 48 steaks, okay? Like, hey, yeah, no, no, not a big deal. Just on a normal Tuesday? Yeah. Sure. Here's a bunch of steaks for everybody. <laughs> but uh, during the interview you had with him, he admitted that he did not pursue coaching in this coaching cycle, but he does believe that he would be successful at it. Would I have entertained it? Absolutely. Would I have taken the job? I don't know. I, I think it would have to be the right situation. I think anybody would be crazy. Do I think I could do it? There's no question in my mind. I think... You know, everyone is so quick to, to say, oh, you know, you're unqualified because you haven't done it. I played 14 years at a high level in the NFL. I would argue I've had more access to coaches' mindsets and, and building culture in locker rooms and X's and O's and understanding of the game than, than any coach would have in over the same 14 years. So I, I think we mistake, you know, if I would have spent those 14 years as an assistant working my way up from quality control to a position coach, I would have been a great candidate. I think it's kind of an interesting dynamic that the NFL has. I think it's going to take one former player to kind of break that mold and show, listen, I might not have come up the conventional route, but I'm damn good at this and I can do it. Whenever that guy does it, whenever that happens, I think it'll change the mindset of how people view coaches. But it's not something I pursued. I had no conversations with Tepper about it. But in my mind, do I think I could have done it? There, I have zero doubt in my mind. Walker, I'll start with you. We've seen this in the NBA. Jason Kidd, Steve Nash become head coach. Coaches shortly after their playing career, I forgot all about Steve Nash. You know, you know, came to an end without you know doing the assistant route. I think he brings up a good point, and Greg does feel like the guy that could be the first one to break the mold because I don't know about you, hearing that live and hearing it for a second time, he's great in TV. He wants to be on the sidelines. He's going to be a coach. It just feels like how long does he have to wait? So, yeah, I, I you, you go back to the end of that interview, though, when he did say, if I had my choice, I'd rather be doing this for the next 20 years rather than going on the coaching. <laughs> well, because uh, the money's sideline. good and it's cushy. But also, no, you're right. Like, it, he did say that. You're right. But it did sound like he at least wanted to just uh, get rid of the notion that he wouldn't be good at coaching an NFL team. I thought that was the most interesting thing of the entire interview, to be honest. Because he did say, yeah, he put his name in the ring. He didn't have anything formal with David Tepper. There wasn't an interview. But he would be open to coaching an NFL franchise. And the fact that he would have thought about it, that was really interesting to me. I do think he's right. Like, one other thing Greg talked about, we've seen guys get jobs from the the TV platform. They were involved in football before. 
they get to TV, and now these GMs and these decision makers, they get to hear your take on a lot of different things if they're tuning in every single day or every single weekend, and they get to hear the way you think. They don't even really need an interview like that because they know how you feel about all of these different situations. And so now that you have the football background, having been immersed in the sport for quite some time, now they get to hear all of your opinions. The fact that he played with Carolina for so long, the fact that he put the work in to do the TV, like he was doing a lot of different things with NFL Network and so on. And he even told you he's learned as much the last three years in all of these coaches' rooms as much as he did in the 14 years that he played. Yeah, if there were to be somebody successful going straight from being a player to being a head coach, Greg Olson seems like that guy that would be successful doing it. Yeah, that's a great point uh, that you bring up. I still feel like that with a lot of guys, you aren't going to really know what it's like until you're in it, until that pressure is on. I mean, it's one thing to be hanging out and learning and soaking stuff in, but then when you get out there and you got a coach, and you got to win games, and especially if you come out and you're not hot out of the gates and you're feeling that pressure from the fans and, you know, guys are looking at you like, do you really know uh, what you're doing? So I do think he could probably use a little bit of experience before he jumped into the coaching round because with how many guys do we hear about that they say it's so much stuff that you don't even know you have to be worried about as a head coach on top of managing the offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators and making sure the game plans are right. I'm not doubting that he couldn't do it one day, but I do think he would need a little bit of seasoning instead of him just stepping right in because the way he made it sound is like he could step right in and be Vince Lombard. He didn't. Yeah, yeah, he's very confident. (laughs) No, he's confident. And I I do think it's because now he has multiple perspectives. It's not just from player perspective anymore. I'm... I thought that was really interesting, too. What else you got, Fiddy? All right, the last piece of sound we'll play for you. As we started off yesterday's show talking about the laugh heard around the world after LaMelo Ball laughed on the sidelines during another uh, Hornets blowout defeat. Yesterday was the off day, but Steve Clifford did address his star point guard's uh, behavior on the bench. I didn't see that. I heard about it, though. I mean, look, we've had a... We, our guys, no matter what anybody says, our guys have done a good job of competing, working hard. You know them. So to think that they're not serious. We do know That's. I don't worry about that because I'm here. I've been around teams that are. These guys are uh, handling frustration, handling disappointment is a huge part of all sports. Uh, some people can handle it well. Some people don't. I know this. When we lose, they're disappointed. Um, they came up there today. We had a shorter practice. You know, not very taxing. The concentration was good. The energy level was good. Um, so, you know, again, we have to find out. We have to find a way so that we sustain our play better. But our attitude and stuff is not the problem. Wes, we heard you chime in during that sound bite from Steve Clifford. Do you think this is a, a team that takes losing and losing as often as they do by the margin that they do seriously? I mean, look, at its core, yeah, are these guys that come from winning backgrounds and they're used to winning, yes. But at the end of the day, like I said from the fans, all we can go by is what we see and what we hear. And we don't hear enough anger. We don't hear enough frustration from the players about what's going on there. And then when you see the optics of guys laughing and kikiing it up, uh, when you're getting the hell beat out of you for like the 40th time in two months, uh, yeah, it's going to frustrate some people because they just don't feel like this team takes it serious enough. And the scores uh, kind of reflect that as well. They're lopsided scores. It's not like this is a team that's losing three by two, three, four scores on a on a nightly basis and they're right there in a play here, a play there. No, it, it's been blowout city uh 
very often. And so I think that's the thing that kind of gets under people's skin just a little bit and why they don't want to see uh, LaMelo and those guys laughing. And it's a bit of nostalgia, you know, and not to say that players back in the day never laughed on the bench when they were getting beat down, but everybody just goes by with the greats and the legends and the Larry Birds and the Michael Jordans and the Magics and those guys. And I don't think you'd see very much laughing on their sidelines uh, when things are going as bad as it's been going for the Hornets. Uh, look, uh, we'll, we'll keep it short here for me. I think LaMelo, the thing about him, is it it doesn't mean it has to be black and white you're either a leader or you're not yeah. people are complex and so there are ways that lamello might lead honestly i think the way that is is that he's in the gym constantly i don't think you hear any uh i don't think you hear any criticism about him putting a lack of work in like this is somebody that loves being in the gym it's it's a little bit of a weird personality because here's lamello telling you yeah he doesn't love watching basketball as a kid but he loves playing it like loves it in the gym constantly and so that matters but also he's just not going to be the vocal rah-rah galvanizing of the troops type of player and if you got to find somebody to do that that's great but it's not gordon hayward that's been the mo on him for some time we thought it might be terry rogier but at least it wasn't enough to change anything here pj washington isn't going to be that leader for them miles bridges we thought might be but when you take 92 games away from the team because you hit uh, because you got a felony domestic violence charge, then it's only going to carry so much weight when you try to be the leader of that squad. Having missed so much time, it it's it goes only to further prove that there needs to be a massive shift with this franchise, and we'll see what can happen after Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall decide to make the decisions as majority stake owners. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go back to the Carolina Panthers side of things. Dave Canales wrote a book. Wes, did you read it or did you just see what was written? I thought of excerpts, okay. <laughs> Interesting character, maybe. A little bit more so from Dave Canales. We'll talk about it coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, folks, as we're getting funky on a Wednesday. This is the Weston Walker Show. That is a funky beat. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the text line 704-570-9610. Getting back to Carolina Panthers talk. New head coach Dave Canales. Great article by Scott Fowler of The Observer came out talking about the book uh, that he wrote, that he put out about his marriage entitled 
this marriage, the question that changed everything. Uh, the foreword was done by Tony Dungy and written by Dave and Lizzie Canales. And so uh, this was a very, very eye-opening book, and not necessarily by the content, but by the fact that we know NFL head coaches. And, uh, yeah, some of them have written books and things of that nature, but not quite ones like this. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm part of the NFL head coach book club, but I do know that it's rare that you see people open up and kind of let you into their lives uh, to the degree that he has. And so I thought he painted a very realistic portrait of himself uh, as a man, the struggles that he dealt with. In his marriage, he talked about the problems that he had with infidelity and porn and alcohol. And uh, and I thought just from the excerpts that I saw from this book, I thought that it was pretty cool and that it made him very relatable. Like we talked about how uh, David Tepper coming out drinking beers with the fans and all that stuff to kind of make him relatable to the every man. But then, you know, when he goes and does some of the things that he does, throwing drinks on people and some of his stances on things separates him. It shows that separation that he feels like in his mind that he has. But I feel like when you bury yourself like uh, Dave Canales did with this book, man, I, I think a lot of guys can kind of look at some of this stuff and relate to him in a lot of different ways. And I think that it will make him uh, more relatable to his players. And I think that that will help as far as his leadership and and helping him uh, win the locker room to a degree because I think a lot of these guys can look into some of these things and see a lot of themselves in it. And so, uh, Walker, what do you think uh, about what you saw from this and, and from Canales, and how do you think it could relate to how he is going to do his job if it does? That, that Dave comes across immediately as a guy that doesn't have anything to hide, and you can trust this man just because he is going to be so open. And it's not even our business at all as to what's going on in this marriage, if you will, not our business whatsoever, but it's out there in a book and he's here. You would imagine that this book is out there to help people grow just as Dave Canales did because of all of the problems that he had in his marriage and having the problems with all of the addictions that you talked about, you know, experiencing infidelity, being addicted to, uh, to pornography and also going out and binge drinking. And so he grew up. And so here's Dave Canales also trying to spread some of his experiences and also tell you exactly how he was able to do it, where this is somebody that doesn't have anything to hide. And now he's a positive, uplifting head coach. And so this is pretty cool, man. Like, I do wonder if the players realize this. I don't know how many of them are reading the book. I don't know how many of them are just doing the excerpt thing and reading the article written by Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer. But now you know how Dave Canales got down a while ago and who he is now. And there is that story of growth from him that maybe can apply to you. And I do think that does matter as far as, okay, this is somebody that might be able to teach me a thing or two. Do you think, uh, should we give them an excerpt real quick just so they can hear a little bit of, uh, of, of what's in store. If they do decide to pursue this book, I give you guys a quick, uh, <laughs> a quick little read. Why are we loud? Yeah. I, no, yes. I'm just saying, I, I, Hey, sure. so, uh, and one of the sections, uh, one of the excerpts from his book says, uh, Lizzie called out our broken marriage and I made some pretty dark confessions. I needed to stop pursuing sex outside of my marriage and I needed to stop drinking as much as I was. He said a huge part in the severed intimacy that I was experiencing with Lizzie was because I was addicted to pornography. It was like a gateway drug for me, creating pathways in my brain that allowed me to use sex coldly for my own benefit. It was a secret silent struggle that I had years before I was married. And so 
uh, you hear that right there. I mean, that's as raw as it gets. And I think, you know, we, we had Coach Rivera on, and he talked about uh, Coach Canales holding people accountable from the beginning. And I think that self-awareness is a trait that I really value uh, in a person. And I think that what you saw from him and what you've seen from this book, man, is a guy that is self-aware. It takes a lot for people to recognize uh, the issues that they have going on and to acknowledge those things. And so I do think that when it comes to things in the locker room, like holding guys accountable, I think that that's going to go a long way because he holds himself accountable. The players are going to be able to see it. They have a hard, you know, they have a version of this that they can look at and open up and read it of a man that is being self-aware and uh, self-aware. And so I think that when he's asking guys those things and we know with pro athletes too, you know, these coaches, they get involved and I don't know how involved Canales will get with the players, but you've heard from many his leadership style and how he wants to know how these guys are doing in their lives. There are a lot of players that are going to be going through this same type of stuff and looking for answers. And it feels like they've got a guy right in their locker room that can help them along with that, whether they read his book or they talk to the man himself. Uh, so let's hear. Oh, you got something, Walker? No, I was just going to say, I think when somebody like this, too, who has gone through this type of experience, they're not as scary. They're not as a far goal, like the light at the end of the tunnel is actually a little bit closer than somebody who might have already had it figured out throughout their entire life. And it just feels so daunting mm -hmm. to hear a message from that person compared to somebody that did go through a struggle and made it on the other side. Perhaps that is a little bit more relatable for whatever problems these other players might be going through. And maybe they're not right. Like I don't want to paint this picture that all these players are going through all these issues. And yeah. that's why you hire Dave Canales because NFL players are, you know, having the exact same issues that he did. It's just, if there are some issues that players are going through, Canales seems like a guy that is willing to share his story to help you get through whatever it is you have going on. Yeah. So let's hear that cut from Ron Rivera off of this show called uh, the Wesson Walker show. And he talked Ooh, like about Dave Canales holding people accountable from the beginning. Mr. Tepper did exactly what you know, he felt he needed to do. And that was, he went out and found a, a young, ambitious uh, head coach. You know, a guy that's coming off of a successful run in in Tampa Bay, and 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 I think the thing that you know Coach Canales has to continue to do is now feed off of that, build from there. Again, make sure he's holding everybody accountable, starting with himself first and foremost. And as these guys continue to to put these pieces into place, you've got to stick to that. Yeah, and so I think too, you know, with Canales, how he turned his life around and talking about it in his book, the character. I feel like he exhibits the character. Uh, that he's going to want to see from these players and this organization. And I think for a lot of people, it's going to build a, an amount of respect for him off gate that I don't think that we've necessarily have for coaches uh, coming in here. We may have had respect for them as far as what they did at their previous spot and what they did as far as the tangible results we can see. They had the number five defense or the number two offense or this, that, the third. But I think this brings a different level of respect for him and I think that, again, like I said, if you're going to ask people to be accountable and as you pointed to, Walker, it doesn't make him as scary. It doesn't make him seem as unattainable because you have some coaches like I, I would imagine Patriots players felt like that with Belichick, you know, it was straight football all the time. And Belichick said as much. He didn't want to make friends with players. He didn't want to be super tight with players. And not to say that that's what Canales has to do, but I think that this gives him a level uh, of respect from the players and the fans as well that can help uh, get his tenure off 
uh, to a good start as far as the respectability and credibility. I'm not sure what the key factors are in a coach as far as what a player's perspective is. Like, I, I don't. I'm sure it, it changes for everybody. I imagine that a lot of players do feel, do want to play for a coach that legitimately does care about them. I imagine that can only go over well for the entire locker room. And it's pretty easy to see that somebody as positive as he is that has gone through the things that he wrote about in his book, that seems like the type of guy that could convince the locker room with him just being his old genuine self that he does care about each and every one of these players in that locker room. And so I think that matters quite a bit. And as we continue to talk about Dave Canales, you played the soundbite from Ron. Here's another one from Greg Olson saying, okay, that's the type of coach that you might be getting, but here's my perspective on what I experienced in 2020 when I spent that one season with him in Seattle. I give him a lot of credit, and I was happy for him. He kind of was able to get out and spread his wings and get the opportunity that he took advantage of down in Tampa this past off this past season. And he did a great job helping get them to the playoffs. I think far succeeded, far exceeded anybody's expectations. And um, you know, I think of the four teams in the NFC South going into the year, I would say the expectations of them were the lowest. And um, so obviously, he deserves a lot of credit. Obviously, Todd Bowles has done a great job down there, and. Uh, I think he did a great job with Baker Mayfield kind of resurrecting his career and standing in the league this past season. So I'm happy for Dave. I hope he does well. I hope he gets us back going. But I think you're going to get an energetic guy. He's the ultimate optimist. He's, you know, he's, he's positive. Oh, yeah, he is. Uh, and that is, and that is him. That is that was what he learned from Pete Carroll. That's the way they do business. And um, he's going to bring that here. Fiddy liked my noise in the background there. I don't know. You were you kept laughing at me being in the background. It's true. The mic only had one, so couldn't be on the mic both times. But yeah, I, I think I heard somebody say this. I forget who. I apologize. Not giving the credit. But I heard somebody say something about Baker undergoing the mental reconstruction just as much as what it was on the field and going through the physical reconstruction. And so if this is Dave Canales helping Baker go through what was a pretty rough year the previous season. If you go to care, so Cleveland, after making you the number one overall pick, they don't want you anymore. They decide, okay, we're going to go after Deshaun Watson of all people. Now Baker gets traded to Carolina, has a terrible year. Sam Darnold, PJ Walker are now playing over you. You're healthy, but you're not coming back after you got hurt. Now you got to go to the Rams. You win a game, but now the Rams don't want you as a backup. That's a hard year for Baker. Working with Dave Canales. Dave Canales able to undergo some of that mental reconstruction with the Baker Mayfield. Like you think about too, the differences in, okay, Todd Bowles, really even keel dude, right? Like not a lot of emotion from Todd Bowles. when we've seen him speak at the podium for quite some time, Bruce Arians felt way more on the hard end of the spectrum. Like he was a demanding football coach. And I wonder just with, with a seemingly breath of fresh air, coming from Dave Canales being so different from just a robot in Todd Bowles and somebody that was on the exact opposite of the spectrum with Bruce Arians running to that team. I do wonder if that played a part in Rashad White tweeting, oh no, when Canales gets the job because he's leaving Tampa. Mike Evans telling you, yeah, the way that Dave Canales coaches, he's going to be a player's guy. People are going to love playing for him. I wonder if that contrast allow players to feel that way because of what they experienced in the past. Oh, for sure. Because I know as a player, I like to know that a coach cared about me beyond what I provided on the field. If 
if I felt like a coach didn't care, I mean, their message is you hear it, but you're just like, all right, man, whatever. Like, you don't really care for them like that. You know they don't care for you, and you're just like, man, whatever. But when you know that you've got a coach because, you know, going back to the issues we talked about, not to say every player in the NFL locker room is going through those type of things, but we know what the NFL lifestyle brings. We see it all the time. I mean, we see Tyreek Hill dead multiple babies in one year last year. Like, we know how this thing works. They're not getting works. a divorce, though. This is true. Uh, we know how this thing works. And guys can put on the exterior all the time that, oh, I'm good. I'm this tough football player. I'm doing this. I'm not thinking about anything. But deep down, dudes are hurting. And they want to find outlets or they want to be able to find answers to their problems. And so when you got a coach that puts this type of body of work out there that, that bears himself like that to guys – that is going to endear him to players. Like, there are going to be guys that are going through the exact same thing that he was going through, that are going to relate to exactly what he was. And when that message comes from him in the locker room, he's just going to get that little bit of extra out of guys that say, hey, man, you know, I can relate to this dude. I know this dude cares about me because he seems like a guy that's, that's there to help and to, you know, serve people. What What's going to happen when he tries to – relay a message to some of these players and said, look, man, I've been where you are. Yeah. You know, I was cheating on my wife and I used to go out and, and drink all through the night. And, you know, I just want to know how you're doing. What do you mean? Coach, I'm doing great. <laughs> wait, wait, you said this is a problem. Wait, hold yeah. on. You fix that. I'm good. See ya. How many players are going to react that way? It, it, is my it could question. be. And, and you'll have guys that might react that way on the surface <laughs> and then come to him, you know, behind uh, closed doors and be like, coach, you know, I feel you because I, I team chaplain, you know, when I was in college, used to crack me up because sometimes me and my buddies, we would we would laugh because I was like, man, I know he's looking at us and he's like, man, I. I want to be able to help those guys. <laughs> I don't know if I can. That I was Brian. I don't know if they're beyond reach. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but that's pretty cool, like I said. And I thought that was something very interesting uh, about Canales as he walks into this head coaching job. We've seen people on the text line already uh, saying that their respect for Canales has gone up. A 704 number says immediately love Canales. People are drawn to vulnerable people who – whoever uh, who overcame things and are using it to help others. Brian on the text line as well says my respect for Canales uh, just went up. So I'm sure hey, we might have uh, sold a couple of books for him uh, today as well. We might have you know, been some salesmen on Wesson Walker. Yeah, go, go to Amazon, pick up This Marriage written by the Canaleses. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope things don't go bad for him, though, because you know people will bring up stuff out of the book in other ways too. If uh, if things aren't going well on well, the football field, that, so for that's, Dave's that's the uh, that's the other side of this. It's yeah. for people like <clears throat> maybe a certain board up that might just bring up some of the bad stuff in that book. Yeah, when yeah. when he thinks you shouldn't be running it on third and eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I That's could, why this happened previously in your life. I, no, maybe yeah. maybe not our board off though. Maybe some other <laughs> another person. Now I know what you truly think about me, Walker. Uh -huh. I mean, is it is it anything new? I don't think that's a revelation that Walker just said. No, no. I, does the shoe fit? I, no, I it's, no, I'm not Hit that dogs guy. Hit holler, right? Hit dogs holler. Just telling you. Huh? I didn't say you. I just said a certain board op. Oh, I, yeah. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to get with our board op and uh, close out the show on Sports anyway. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I wanted to continue to play the coordinator game. One we didn't mention. 252 said, what about Ken Dorsey? I think Ken Dorsey graduated into coordinator territory. It's going to take a little seasoning before he's up there. He's not on Mount Rushmore. But now that you get another coordinator job, yeah, Ken Dorsey, always coordinator, never head coach. I expect that for him the rest of his career. I know Shula was a head coach at the college level, but Mike Shula, I think, is a name to... To maybe put in there. Part of it, you have to be good, though. I, I, I think was, that's a part of the game, and I don't think people think he was good. He had, What's funny about him is he has a number one offense to brag about, and still people said, nope, you're not good. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, you're probably about, you're probably about right about College that. College football has a lot of guys that are like that, too, that they get paid so much to be a coordinator that they just stay where they are because um, Brett Venables was one. I thought he would never be a head coach for a long time. I still think Brett Venables is only choice. coordinator. I know he's coaching at Oklahoma, and yet he's still coordinator Mount Rushmore for me. And then uh, I think the ultimate coordinator of college football has got to be John Chavis. Yeah. I mean, he has ne- he's never been a head coach, correct? I, I don't think so, but yeah. everywhere that guy goes, he coordinates a top 10 defense. Yeah. What about uh, who is the Charlotte recruiter? Tim Brewster? Oh, yeah, Tim oh, Brewster. Yeah, yeah, but he's, yeah. like, he's always been like a position coach. I know, yeah. but he's he has his own lane carved out for sure. Oh, he yeah. He's Constantly just a master recruiter. He's just a what? He's just a smoocher. Oh, well, that's okay. You can smooch all you want to in Charlotte. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't end very well in Chapel Hill, so good luck with him. I'm them. excited mm-hmm. about y'all playing them this year, too. So am I. An easy win. Mark those words down. <laughs> One game at a time. Come walking in here, Max Johnson goes out there and throws four interceptions. You know, Mark Rick the other day was talking about that he was on par with Drake May and uh, Sam Howe. And we wonder why no one watches the ACC Network. <laughs> I love Mark Rick though. Mark Rick interviewing him at ACC Media That's Day. That's his uh, nephews or his grandsons. That's his grandsons, I think, yeah. I don't know. I just want to know if you had the same experience with Mark Rick as I did because I love talking to that guy. Well, all right, so me and Mark Rick, you know, we, I mean, it's not like history. Like, we were friends, friends. But the thing that I really get a kick out of is that when I went to football camp at Florida State, he was the offensive coordinator. So then when he was the head coach of Miami and I interviewed him and stuff, I thought that was a pretty cool little moment, you know, for a guy that I had gone to yep. football camp with. And I was, at the time, a defensive end and a tight end. And so I was in his drills with the receivers and stuff running routes. So did he, I mean, he seems like the guy that was nice though. Like he, he, was he cool with you when you brought that oh, up to yeah, him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't remember me like that. Right. Obviously, I wouldn't expect him to, but he thought that was pretty cool too. When I told him that, 
Hey, yeah, Mark Rick's one of the great guys, man. I, I mean, wish it would have worked out for him at Miami. I really do. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I, do. I mean, it did a little bit. He's the only guy that's taken him to the ACC championship game. You know, it they was got the, smashed. It but. was the closest that you could actually have the is the you bat conversation. Yeah. yeah. It was the closest. And then, what is it? They lost three straight or three out of four or something like that. They were, what, yeah. 10 and one. They lost a regular season finale. Got drilled in in, in, in the ACC title game. Bowl Terrible games ended. don't matter. Yeah, they lost to Kenny Pickett. Yeah, it does make you wonder, though, like, if, if he couldn't get the U back, is anyone going to be able to get the U back? Like, and look, I, I like Cristobal. I think this is a good a chance that they got this year with Cam Ward. Uh, and, you know, they got a lot of talent on defense coming back. This is as talented as a Miami team as there's been. And, Fiddy, I disagree with you. I, I do think bowl games matter for programs. Well. Even for Miami? Yeah, I think fans, a lot of times, they look at it and be like, oh, it doesn't matter. But I think for teams, it definitely gives you momentum. Uh, it springboards you into the offseason. It gives you, especially if you win, it gives you some positivity going into the offseason, gives you something to build on. I definitely think they matter for teams. I just feel like we're, we're living in a day and age where you have edible mascots at bowl games. I don't think you're putting a lot of that stock matters. in whether you won or lost that game uh, going into the... Well, feels- yeah, the, the coaches do, though. The coaches and the programs do. I mean, they might have the silly mascots and all that stuff, but as far as building blocks and stuff, because they put it on the recruiting mail. They put, like, the bowl game that they played in, and they're like, oh, we just can't off this win and for recruits people think it doesn't matter but it does when you see a team put on a good performance in a bowl game especially if you're trying to choose between schools and stuff man that can give you a little bit more insight but but fitty just started to wander into a territory i don't want to you bring up the edible pop tart in <laughs> in a bad faith his ghost will appear over your shoulder and i'm scared sure. of that like i feel like i see his smiling face looking right back at me over your shoulder because he's here to haunt Would you we for your eat comments it if it showed up yeah, I'd probably eat a little bit of the Pop-Tart. Yeah, I'd, I'd Depends on what it. flavor. Oh. Like, if he's like a blueberry Pop-Tart, I'm not eating them. What? You don't like, oh, I'm not going to say that to each their own, but blueberry. <laughs> I mean, those are the OG flavors. That strawberry went from and blueberry. To zero. Yeah, strawberry. Usually it's zero to 100. Yeah. It went from 100 to zero. Yeah, those almost. are my two favorite flavors, strawberry so, and blueberry. You know, speaking of Pop-Tarts, okay, like I did want to go to somebody that actually <laughs> tweeted at us yesterday. What? And yeah, it's crazy. So here's a tweet I wanted to reference. Bits. At Out of Exile 2021, wrote at the Weston Walker Show and said, hey, are y'all going to come tailgate with Mint City Collective and the rest of the supporters groups for a Charlotte FC match this season? Ask Willie P, Mac, and of course, Jess Charman. It's a good time. Let us know. I thought that was cool. We, got we will it. let you know and we will do it. I'd be it. down. I'd be down. What's really cool, I especially want to go tailgate with them. Because then I click on this guy's profile pic on Twitter, and it's of his dog. Very cute. Cool profile pic. But the cover photo is of a can of Modelo and a wild berry Pop-Tart. And if you are tailgating with wild berry Pop-Tarts and cans of Modelo, I'm with it, and I will see you there, my friend. Leave a couple Pop-Tarts for me. I mean, is there a flavor of Pop-Tarts that you would not like? I mean, we know you just said blueberry, but I yeah. mean, is there a flavor that you would not like? I, I don't know that there is one. So, no, I don't think there's one that I dislike. I'm a huge chocolate Pop-Tarts and milk guy. I can use that as a dessert. You know what? I might. You don't like chocolate Pop-Tarts? I've never had them. 
What? And that might be one I don't like that much. I need you to isolate that one. Yeah, seriously, that one. <laughs> that was. I told you I like strawberry had, blueberry. How have you never good. had? And then by the time they came out with chocolate, I had I wasn't eating them that often. Dude, there's nothing better than the chocolate pop tart. Whether you microwave it or you just go make it a little toaster tart, and then you have that glass of milk. Yeah, you're right about that. I couldn't agree more with you. I love I've it. I've never had the brown sugar cinnamon either. Those are the ones my mom eats. Wes. By the time Wes. I, by the time I stopped eating them like They're, that, that's when those flavors had been made. Go down the hall. They're at the <laughs> snack machine and and, and buy it. Yeah. It's a dollar fifty. If if money's a problem, Walker Walker's got you covered. Go buy after the show. <laughs> screw Walker's the promo. Mm -hmm. Go get a brown sugar cinnamon pop tart. It'll change your life. My mom buys them. So. This, this is what my dad likes to do. I don't know if you guys will get a little saucy with your pop tarts. Bailey, what? My microphone. Thank you, Fitty. <laughs> I promise I'm normally not that rude. What's no, up? you're you're good. Um, <laughs> I've been out for a week. I forgot it all my decorum. Your What's... wrestling uh, tag team partner. Yeah. Never had a chocolate pop tart or a brown sugar cinnamon pop tart. Okay, the first one's fine. The second one, yeah, you're missing out, bro. Yeah, that's what I said. But what I told him was that by the time those flavors had been made, I wasn't eating them as often. And if I do go for a pop tart now, I go for the OG flavors. I get blueberry, strawberry. Yeah. Well, chocolate's yeah, yeah, OG yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought brown sugar cinnamon no, was OG. No, no, I'm on this one. Mm -mm, no, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, look, you like what, what you like. What, so what do you, do we consider chocolate Pop-Tart OG? Because I think blueberry, strawberry. Yeah, I don't ever recall when I was a kid, there was two flavors, strawberry, blueberry. Yeah. That was it. You had to frost it and unfrost. Well, yeah. what's happening is that we're we're coming from, we're starting to see the different demographics right now. Y'all just old heads. Because I'm, I'm 31 and chocolate has never not existed in my lifetime. I guess there is a time. I didn't realize that. I never, I don't recall ever having a single chocolate Pop-Tart growing up, but I had countless blueberry, yeah, strawberry. Yeah, I'm about to look. And, and I'm with you. The, the cinnamon, um, uh, whatchamacallit. Yeah, brown sugar. Like, to me, I thought that cinnamon. was an original flavor. I thought that was an OG pop See, I, I'm with you on that. I, <laughs> I include that one, too, because they're, back in the day, my parents had like an old wood uh, wood stove insert, and the top of that thing would be like 100,000 degrees when they'd run a fire. And my brother and I, when the power went out during snowstorms, we would, we'd make those things on top of the fireplace. Anyway, go ahead. They said the story. four original flavors were strawberry, blueberry, brown sugar, cinnamon, and apple currant. No chocolate. What never the hell is apple curate? Yeah, yeah, I never I even know knew what that, that is. Wes on this one, boys. Um, <laughs> but the the thing that my dad does, I don't know if anybody else does this, but he will put it in the toaster or microwave, and then he'll put butter on the back of it. Ooh, oh, that's smart. And he loves it. That's the only way he'll eat pop. Guaranteed diabetes if you do it a lot. Yeah, he's, he's still kicking it somehow. It's an OG move. But it, yeah, he's an OG, I guess, for an OG Pop-Tart. Yeah. I learned something today. You got Thank a good dad. That, thank, thank you guys for your wisdom. Yeah. Chocolate Pop-Tarts, not OG. Yeah. Noted. And I appreciate that from the old heads here. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Thanks for joining us on Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. You're going to hear that man's voice again for the next three hours. Kyle Bailey, he's back on the mic. Let's go. And he's talking Pop-Tarts. He's doing it alongside mm. Smoke Ludwig. It's Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.